comfy chairs and let's stand up though as we sing this first song together so the cold is not doing good things to my guitar tuning now so So our songs, songs should be in the bulletin. We're going to start with uh, Blessed Be Your Name. Sing you. 
Morning, family. Good to all be here this morning. How many of you are joining us for the first time this morning? How many of you smelled beef cooking and, and just came? Let's put it that way. It's good to be here. I see sweatshirts on, which is a good thing. With the smoke, it's hard to tell if fall is actually here or if we're covered in smoke or overcast. But hey, I see sweatshirts on, so I think we're getting there. I'm excited about today. We're all excited. we got so many things to celebrate as a church body, and I'm glad that we get to celebrate them with you. Why don't we open up with some announcements, and then uh, we'll start into our service this morning. I think, where's Abby Brink? Abby Brink, she has an announcement. Good morning. Can you guys hear me? Oh, there we go. Okay. Um, so we're having our women's meeting, our women's event on October 22nd at 6.30 p.m. And we're going to meet at Cow Creek Church. And this event, Katie Keppel and Judy Lewis are going to share with us about Christian hospitality. So I hope all the women can come, and that's including junior high and high school girls as well. We want you guys to come and join us. So I hope to see many of you there. Thank you, Abby. Um, we have one more announcement that we do have coming up. We're going to be having a baby dedication that's going to be in the near future. No date pinned down at this point. But if you have a baby, I don't know what we're going to call the age limit, but a baby that has not had a chance to be dedicated in this church yet, we're going to gather them up, and we want to have a time where we can pray over those children. We can have a time to dedicate them to the Lord um, with our the parents behind them and everybody in the church body behind them. So if you are interested in being a part of that, um, come find the elders, talk to them. We're going to uh, get that together, and we're going to nail down a time for that. So keep that in mind. Um, Derek and Leah Pack, this is their last Sunday here with us, so make sure you find them and give them a good slug in the shoulder or a hug. We I'm the brother, so, you know. But this is your last chance either way, so um, make sure you find them at the end of the service. Okay, Churchill, why don't you come on up and get us started this morning. Um, good morning, family, once again. Yeah, this is a very special morning to all of us, even though it's a special morning also to very emotional too, because um, the Park family, both Derek and his family, has been part and parcel of our church. They've poured into us and then we've poured into them. They've had children, we see them grown. And so today is going to be their last service with us. But before they come up here for prayer this morning, I want to read the scripture with us. I'm going to read the book of Acts of Apostles, chapter 13. I'll read verse 2. It says, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. You know, as one of your missionaries of this church, one thing that fascinates us as we travel across Africa and sharing the gospel, there are so much need we normally have when we travel. One is how to get 
something clean to drink. That is water. And that thing again is battery. How to get light wherever we are just to read our Bible. So water and the battery is one of the two primary things we normally want to gather around before we travel to make sure we have those things. But then you can't carry water from here to travel to overseas. So when we travel into villages, one thing that fascinates me is this product here. This is called Coke. When they when this product was launched, the people who launched this product had intention to make this product to travel across every language, across every tribe. So the lunch cook. So in the small village where we work, and then you need water, you don't have clean water there. But what fascinates us is that you can see a small shade, small hut along the road, and with an ice chest, and that is a marketplace. And you walk into that place, you say, please, ma'am, can I have something to drink? They say, yeah, they have Coke. And they will say, yeah, Coke. We know Coke is clean. And then we take it and we pop it, we drink. So anywhere you go, you find this product. It's just so fascinating how the company who launched this product continue to use even the poor, uneducated men and women in the village to use them to connect us to their product, cook, to drink. Church as God's enterprise. When the church was launched, one of the reasons why the church was launched was a product, the Bible. And God wanted this product to be taken to every language, to every tongue. And the only instrument God uses is a human being. So this morning, we are very, very much privileged that one of our own, Derek and his family, will be leaving us from here to continue to take this product, which is the word of God, to other parts of the world to share in the gospel. So may I invite Brother Derek and somebody to come up this morning. We're going to pray for them. They are wonderful people. We've been waiting this day to come. It seems as it's coming close, they want to push it back, but finally the day has come. And so we're just going to pray for them. And you're going to still be praying for them because they are going to the battlefront with all these younger ones. Some of them, we are born in our hands. I will watch them grown. They're still going to be growing over there too. So... The way we're going to do it, I want our elders to join us this morning on the altar here. We're going to pray for them. And then if you want, you can be sitting down or stand up and then raise your hand towards us this way. Just raise up your hand towards us this way and pray for them. Either while sitting or while standing. Amen. I have to agree. Praying's not hard, but to pray for these guys to go out, it's a little hard. Father God, you're amazing. 
You do so many things all the time. You take care of your church. You take care of your people. And, Father, we, uh, we just thank you. Thank you for these people here, that these wonderful people. I think of Derek and Leah and Elijah and Silas, Selah, Jojo, Abel. Thank you for all of them. Thank you. Bless them. Keep them safe as they go from this place to where you would have them go and to bring your gospel. It's a, it's a wonderful ministry that you've given them, Father, and it's a, it's a joy that we get to be a part of that. It's a, a little bit of a bittersweet, Father, as, as they leave us, but they're not gone, so we won't say goodbye. We'll just say see you later. Uh, Father, I just uh, look forward to uh, newsletters and uh, encouraging words from the ministry that you've got them going on, Father. I just, uh, once again, just want to uh, come to the foot of your of your throne, Father, and just say, keep them safe. Keep them, fill their needs, Father, and uh, and bless them. And that whole ministry, bless that ministry, Father. And those boys who don't even know them yet, but they're coming to be a part of their lives. What a, what a great time it's going to be, Father, and you're going to be glorified. Boy, I know that. And the music that will be sung and, the, and your word will be taught uh, by the whole family. And uh, that's going to be a great time. But for today, Father, we just uh, praise you for what you're doing. Thank you that you let them be a part of our 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 little church for such a for quite some time, Father, and uh, and we just loved when they came, and and we love them not because of that we're happy they're going. Well, we're happy, Father, <laughs> but uh, like I said, mixed emotions. But Father, we are joyful about what you're doing in their lives. Bless the rest of our day, Father, and, uh, and as, as was already said by Weston, I pray that each of us will come up and give them a hug. And we look forward to the next time. In your son's name, amen. And on behalf of our church and our elder board also too, Brother Eric, we want to give you this. This is my utmost for his highest. This is another product, again, he has traveled around the world, so I want to give to you. He read it, cast the devil. Heal the sick, okay? Thank you. Too many mics up here. Good morning, church family. As many of you know, as many of you know, we have been in search of a building for quite some time. It was a little over a year ago that we were thought and hoped we were in the process of buying a little church building there on Old 44 there in Palisadro. And it uh, turns out back then the Lord had a different plan than was our plan and while we were uh, very disappointed, we were trusting in God's timing <laughs> and things and his plan. And uh, so that fell through. 
I forget exactly how far apart we were on price at the time. You know, was, we were only 150 or 175 thousand dollars, you know, away from one another on price at that time. So, um, so that one didn't happen. And so then we waited, we waited, we waited, we prayed, we prayed, we prayed, and we said, you know what? Let's go back to these guys and see how things go. And this time we decided we would remove ourselves from the process and uh, have a real estate broker represent us, or a commercial real estate broker. I was actually hoping he might be here today, uh, Ryan Haydrick with Haydrick and Company, him and his family. Uh, but I think they had a soccer game up in Ashland or some such thing this weekend, and uh, represented us, and uh, we made, made an offer, and uh, we shared a little bit at the meeting at the Warners some time ago, you know, kind of where we were on price and everything, and we knew that we wanted to come in with a good offer because we felt that they were a little bit offended the last time when we came in with an offer that we thought was, you know, a very justifiable price. And so we came in with an offer of an even 400000 is what we did, that, uh, what we proposed to them. We knew that they were wanting 480 was kind of where they were on the thing. We thought, well, let's do that because it's worth that much to us to be able to have that building and uh, the payments that we would have on a loan would be very reasonable you know, less than what we were paying at the uh, SDA church body at, the, at their facility there. And uh, as for those of you who received the email this past week, huge praise, our offer was accepted. <laughs> and so that was just such a wonderful thing. Uh, our offer was accepted, and then, you know, we were waiting for the paperwork, and gee, we thought we were going to have the paperwork the next day, and it didn't come, and the next day it didn't come, and I thought, oh boy, what's going on now, Lord? <laughs> what's, what's up this time? And guess what? We are now officially in escrow, I can say. Uh, we signed paperwork on Thursday. And uh, we're looking at a 60-day escrow. And escrow is scheduled to close on November 30th. And so just under two months now. So we are moving forward. Uh, praise be to God. It's his timing, not our timing. But they accepted pretty much everything, basically, as far as our terms were. I mean, there's nothing just little, little minor details and things were just fine. They accepted the offer as was. Even though initially they came back to us and said they wanted more, which we were concerned about. They were wanting like 430 or something like that. And thankfully, Ryan reasoned with them and they went back to the seller and they accepted, which was just a huge, huge praise. So initially we were a little far apart. So anyway, just wanted to bring everybody up to speed. Uh, I don't think that we'll be able to walk right in the door the day that escrow closes because there's some work that needs to happen there <laughs> before we'll be able to move in. And we haven't really talked yet that much about timing. I don't know if we're looking at the beginning of 2021, uh, but we still have to sort out all the details. So it's kind of one step at a time. But in any event, as of Thursday, we are in escrow. Praise be to God. So uh, let's take a moment and give thanks to him and pray for the rest of this process here. Uh, Lord, we just acknowledge that you are sovereign, <laughs> you are in control, we are not, and Lord, we just uh, thank you, thank you, thank you that we are moving forward with getting our own building, Lord, and we're just, uh, we're so excited about this property and its location and its visibility, we just pray that this, uh, that your church body that is Oak Grove would just uh, be a shining light to the community of Palisadro and surrounding communities, Lord. We just pray that that, uh, that place would be a magnet for people in need of hope in a time of darkness, Lord. I just pray that uh, we'd be able to use that uh, facility, that property, in just ways that would just uh, greatly glorify your name, Lord, and that uh, souls would be saved for Christ. 
that souls, uh, the, light, the switch would be flipped from darkness to light, Lord, in this community, Lord, and just pray that people would flock to you, flock to you, Lord, it's not about us, it's about you, it's not our building, it's your building, Lord, and so, Lord, we just trust you with this, we just trust you with this whole process, we just pray that you would bring to completion what you have started with the acquisition of this building, Lord, just pray that your hand would be upon all the details, and that we'd be able to sing your praises from that location and that this community would be drawn to Christ. Pray these things in his mighty name. Amen. So in light of that um, that news about the church building, I'm 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 very excited about it. it. Me and Aaron were just driving by it on the way here this morning, as probably many of you did, and just looking and be like, "That's that's our building, that's where we're going to be." And there's a lot of work involved, obviously, to, to get it to where it needs to be. But um, I just think of like a year ago. That was such a disappointment for me to drive by that and think, oh man, it just seems like such a perfect spot, you know. Just that, I don't understand why why we don't have why God didn't allow that. But uh, He has His own timing, He has His own reasons, and um, now it looks like that's where He wants us to be. Um, so, in light of that, Dan Reynolds really wanted me to sing the song. It's an old one, it's a short one, but I think it's really appropriate for for what what God has has given us and what He's blessed us with. You think about, too, this, I wasn't part of the beginning of this church. Um, I came a few years later, but this is where it started, here at Ron's house, I believe, right? Ron? Or, I don't know where Ron is. This is this is where it started, and um, now we're moving into the next step of what God wants us to do and where he wants us to be, and so, in his time. <laughs>
of those who proved his faithfulness, walked by faith and not by sight. By faith our fathers roamed the earth, with the power of his promise in their hearts, of a holy city built by God's own. Messiah would appear with the power to break the chains of sin and death. Christ triumphant from the grave. By faith the church was called to go. The power of the Spirit to mountain shall be moved, and the power of the gospel shall prevail, for we know in Christ all things are possible, for all who call upon his name will stand as children of the promise, we will feel It says that we're going to be going to the sermon. I think we'll go ahead and sing one more, and we'll sing the we'll we'll save the last song for the for the follow up. So let's do "Ancient of Days."
Thank you for everything that you've given us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit for guiding us, 
Lord, as the world around us continues to get darker and we just see you know, in many ways, it's just, uh, for me, oftentimes I have to fight the feeling that things are just closing in, Lord. And um, We trust, though, that you are in control, that you, none of this has slipped your gaze. You knew exactly what was going to happen from the beginning to the end, Lord. You are the ancient of days. Um, all of our days are numbered. This nation's days are numbered, Lord. I just pray that we would keep our eyes fixed on you, Lord, that we would remember what our mission is while we're here, Lord. Lord, we love you and we thank you. I just pray that your hand would be on the message and on our hearts this morning. In your name, amen. Our scripture reading this morning will be Galatians 1, 1 through 10. I'll give you 30 seconds to find that. Galatians 1, 1 through 10. And I'll be reading through the, uh, the uh, ESV. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of God our Father, to whom be the glory and forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As I have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Good morning. Are you having warm fellowship or are you part of God's frozen chosen? <laughs> Don't you love those old cliches? We're going to be in Galatians, but you might open your Bible to Luke chapter 4, because we're going to come there just for a moment in a little while. And, uh, okay. 12,000, 12,000 miners die in mining accidents every year around the world. October, uh, not October, uh, August the 5th, 2010, the San Jose copper gold mine near Copiapo, Chile collapsed. It collapsed on 33 men 
2,300 feet below the surface. Not quite half a mile, no. Long ways. The company was not, uh, didn't have a five-star rating, let's put it that way. They made a feeble effort to somehow try and find those men, and after a day or two, that was over. The Chilean government mining ministry said, that's not good enough. So they took over. They started doing bore holes, seeing if they could identify where the men were. Uh, they thought they knew where they might be. There was a shelter area they provide in the mine. And they started drilling boreholes. So one week, it's been seven days now since the collapse they've been drilling. Now it's two weeks, 14 days they've been drilling. Meanwhile, there's an encampment outside the uh, company office. There's a fence. The families are there all the time asking what's going on, trying to build in accountability. What are you doing? 16 days, they're still drilling boreholes. On the 17th day, when they pulled up one of the bits that had a note attached that said, all 33 of us are safe in the shelter. You can imagine <laughs> the electricity through those families. And yet, they knew that nobody gets rescued in those situations. They just don't. And with that bit of incentive and good news, action happened. A drilling team came from uh, Australia, one came from America, one came from Canada, and they're drilling three different types of holes. Uh, they're all running into problems. Things are breaking. Two of them go home. So they're still drilling 20 days, 30 days, 40 days. These miners have been down there, 33. They became known as the 33. It's all over the news. All, you might have seen it. 50 days, they're still drilling. 60 days, still drilling. These men are still down there. Because they had a small borehole, they were able to give them supplies and iPads. Not iPads, uh, what are those little music things they used to have <laughs> with music on it. Lots of stuff. So they were okay, and they had video feed, but they were still trapped. 69th day, they broke through. And so one by one, the men got in a little old skinny tube. You know, it was about that big. And pulled them up 2,300 feet to the surface. All 33 were rescued. Unheard of rescue. Today we're going to explore a rescue of greater significance than that amazing rescue. We're going to look at, uh, first of all, we're going to do a review of what we covered last week in the book of Galatians as we started a series. And then we're going to look at a little phrase that Paul packs into a verse 4 of Galatians chapter 1 and open that up. And then the final brief point will be uh, looking at the Apostle Paul in full politically incorrect mode. So that's where we're going today. Last week we discovered that Galatians is a battle for the gospel. It's a battle of, of intensity and of more significance than any battle ever fought on planet Earth. In brief, here's what happened. In A.D. 47 or 48, the Apostle Paul uh, was in uh, Syrian Antioch. 
So let's say I'm a map and down here is Jerusalem and here's the Mediterranean right here. You go straight north a ways, there's Syrian Antioch. He was up there with Barnabas and Lucius, Menaean and Simeon and others in the church. And as we heard this morning, they were they were worshiping and praying and fasting and God sent out sent out Paul and Barnabas and said, go. So they came through the Mediterranean up to present day Turkey and the southern region of Turkey. Uh, they visited four little towns. Here's Antioch, Iconium, here's uh, Lystra and Derby. And in each place they planted a church and they saw Jews come to Christ and Gentiles come to Christ. And they faced opposition and they were chased out of town. And the next place Paul was stoned and dragged out of the town and left for dead because they thought he was dead. And God raised him and said, I've got more for you to do. And that did not stop them. And they went on to Derby. The f they went to the fourth place. And then they retraced their steps going through every town because oftentimes where there's opposition, there's also opportunity. And so they didn't let the opposition stop them. So they made it back home and they're in Antioch, Syrian Antioch, and it hasn't been even a year. We don't know exactly how long. And word comes that stops Paul dead in his tracks. What has happened is that some people, some teachers have come into these four churches that they planted and in that region and they have told them two things. They have said, first of all, that the Apostle Paul is not an apostle. He's a fake. This is fake news. He's not a genuine apostle. The idea is if you can shoot the messenger, you can bury the message. And the second thing they said was, this gospel he brought you, it's okay, but it's not the whole thing. You've got to keep the Old Testament system. You have to have circumcision and you have to have festivals and keep rites. You've got to do all that. So the Apostle Paul hears this and immediately he dictates a letter, which is our book of Galatians in our Bible. Um, as I mentioned last week, uh, New Testament scholar Merrill C. Tenney said that Christianity might have been just one more Jewish sect. And Western thought might have always remained pagan if it was not for the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians became the battle cry of the Reformation in the 16th century. And those reformers were trying to, to wrest the gospel free from the, from the gospel plus works, Catholic theology, and th which had held the church captive for a thousand years. And finally, that happened. There, there was a breaking free, and we call it Protestantism. They protested. You've buried the gospel. And so, this is a critical book. And upon hearing this news from Galatia, the Apostle Paul did something very socially incorrect. He didn't follow the norm for writing letters. They had a norm for writing letters. You know, if you want to write a, a business letter or a... a uh, do a resume or apply for a job. You can go online and you find a perfect form all laid out. You find examples. Here's how you write a letter. They had the very same thing. No, no online, but they had a format you followed. When you look at these other 12 letters, he generally followed that, but this was his first one. But he skipped the warm fuzzies in there where, where you're supposed to say, it was so good to see you last time. It was exciting to see people come to faith, to see you starting to grow. I'm so excited for you. Didn't say any of that. Look at what he did in uh, 
Galatians 1, verse 1. He says this. Paul, an apostle, not sent from man nor through the agency of man. He's attacking the issue right out of the chute. He comes out with guns blazing. This is so critical. He can't contain himself. Not from men, but through, through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. So he's going to unpack this a whole bunch more later on in the book. He's just starting. And then he goes to the second issue of the gospel is not the real thing. And that's where we get verses 3 through 5. He says, grace to you and peace. So we've got the root and we've got the fruit, grace and peace. From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age. According to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. He said, Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from the present evil age. He's laying out the gospel, and no matter what angle you look at the text, it's hard to find anything in there about you've got to do a lot of stuff to keep with the Old Testament system. It's just not in here. It's Christ who gave himself so that he could rescue us. He's doing it. You're not doing it. And then he goes on in his letter. And so what I'd like to do now is unpack this phrase a bit, this idea, he says, so that he might rescue us from this present evil age. Uh, this present evil age in his description is really describing the totality of life dominated by sin and opposed to God. It's the basic operating system that we are born into in the world. It's how things work. Uh, the parallel or the synonymous phrase for this present evil age would be the world system. And we see that in 1 John. We see that in other places where Paul is writing. He talks about the world system. Um, he calls it an evil age. The world system, the evil age, is under the influence of Satan because the Bible says it is. Listen to what Jesus has to say in John 12, 31. Jesus calls Satan the prince of this world. In John 14, Jesus calls him the ruler of the world. In John 16, Jesus calls Satan the ruler of this world again. In Ephesians 2, um, somebody borrowed my notes during the songs. What's going on here? Okay. In Ephesians 2, Paul calls... Uh, Satan, the prince of the power of the air. Prince of the power of the air. Finally, in 1 John 5.19, listen to this. 1 John 5.19, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Now, if we need more proof of that, uh, think back to the garden. Adam and Eve are placed there by God and... Um, he gave them dominion. He gave them ownership. He gave them the right to rule in this new world. 
And when they sinned, they surrendered the scepter to Satan. And now the whole world lies under the power of the evil one. And, and if you look at Luke chapter 4 and verse 5, you'll see in this account between Satan and Christ relating to this issue. The devil says to him in verse 3, if you're the son of God, oh, wrong, sorry, wrong place. Verse 5, and he led him up, Satan led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all is yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. You see what's happening here? Satan is claiming ownership. He's claiming authority. Jesus is not correcting him. He's not challenging him. So it is what it is. One commentator says that uh, when we talk about the world system, we talk about a world spirit, what we're talking about here is that uh, about a life, an approach to life that has been warped by the lies of the devil and the doctrines of demons. And it's the, it's the default setting that, that we all come into the world with. Back in Ephesians 2, when Paul called him Satan, the prince of the power of the air, he made a pretty rough description of what life is like. He said, um, and you who were saved were made alive. You were dead in trespasses and sins in which we, uh, you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That's how you were living. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, that spirit is still working, he's saying, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves. And then he describes what it's like to live in that system before you know Christ. We conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath even as the rest. It's not a pretty picture at all. Now, in um, four weeks, if you uh, entertain kids at your door at Halloween, the, the doorbell will ring. And you might find a little guy there or a little gal in a full outfit. And it's, it's black, but then there's red all over it. And then you see this little uh, head thing they've got on with horns and they've got a pitchfork. When you see that child, think this. Middle age literature. I know it doesn't roll off the tongue. Think middle-aged literature, because that's the caricature of Satan that we've been buying into since then. And that's kind of the way Satan is. He's good at throwing you a big old change-up curve, isn't it, so you can fall in the dirt trying to swing at it. Because that's not how Satan is at all. Ezekiel 28.11 describes him as the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Ugly, not obvious. He's not going to announce himself. How is he going to persuade you of anything? Uh, one commentator that I'm quoting here says that there's a philosophy in this world that Satan is behind. And, and this philosophy is like a bicycle wheel. There's a hub and then spokes going out. And then right at the hub is uh, 
a statement of thought that has been the same since the misty dawn of time. The hub is this, good without God. Satan's plan is to develop a system of good without God. Uh, and this was his ambition when he said in Isaiah 14, 14, he says, I will be like the most high. He wants to be like God. He, so his philosophy, he packs in all the good he can. He doesn't make it look ugly. He makes it look attractive. He makes it, I want that. I see those people. They're wonderful people. I want what they have. I want to do what they do. That's why he's so deceptive. It's really effective because who doesn't want good? Who doesn't want to be a good person and do good things and enjoy good times and have a barbecue? It's all good. And so we go, wow, how am I going to identify what's going on? In this? this is the evil age. Well, Satan's, he's a master deceiver. His, uh, one of his approaches to religion is this statement you've probably heard before. It says, well, aren't all religions the same? No, they're not all the same. Only one has a leader that gave himself up and died for his people. The rest of them all get their people to work, 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 so hopefully they can get some sort of a reward. Religion says do, 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 do. Christianity says, done. Thank you, God. But that's a lie. Aren't they all the same? Well, no, they're not all, not all the same. People in this world system, and this is pretty grim, are dead in trespasses and sins. They are enemies of God, according to Romans 5.10, enemies of God, slaves of sin. Romans 6.17, and they cannot please God, Romans 8.8. 8. So when we look, look at our world, whether people are, uh, whether they're a prince or a pauper, whether the person is the head of the FFA and the PTA or a five-time felon, according to God's word, they're all in the same boat, just degrees of how their lives are being lived out. And people trapped in this present evil age are the people that God came to save. For God so loved the world. So God loved these people. Jesus looking at people like this isn't full of condemnation. He's full of compassion. People like this. People like us. Before we knew him. So Paul is saying that Christ delivered us from this present evil age. And that's something that only he can do. It's a point he's making. You can't add to what he's doing. He could have gone and added another piece, but I kind of wish he had, but he didn't. And that was to explain, okay, he's delivered us from this age into what? Into what? So I'm going to add just a little bit here uh, that's not in this text, uh, just to give us a flavor of what does it mean to be delivered. And the Colossians 1.13 is the first place that comes to mind it says, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. That's a transaction moving somebody from a spiritual state of lostness into the kingdom of his son. That's a transaction that you and I can't make happen. We don't have access to that world. 
only God does. And so that's why this all depends on him. So we can't add to the gospel. Uh, it makes me think of the, what Jesus said in John 17, 14 in his prayer about for his disciples and then for those of us who would believe after them. It says this, it says that uh, they are not of the world. They're not of the world even as I am not of the world, but they're still in the world. Keep them while they're in the world. So we have overlapping circles here kind of in our lives. One over here is the world system that's evil, even though it's designed to look good. And now here we are, we're in this, the kingdom of God's beloved son. So we're living in two worlds. And when people trust Christ by faith, in that split nanosecond, they're transferred according to Colossians 1.13. When this transfer happens, uh, we still bring into this new life that we have all of our warts, our bents, our habits, our hang-ups, our tendencies, our relationships, our practices and philosophies and values and friends and debts. We bring all that with us. We come in pretty raw material. There's work needs to be done here. But there's some immediate stuff that happens. Immediately, listen what happens. Being rescued marks before we were dead in our sins, now we're alive in Christ. Amen. Before we were enemies of God, then immediately we're sons and heirs. We're an heir. Before we were slaves to sin, ruled by Satan, now we are no longer slaves to sin, freed from sin, Romans 6, 6 and 7. But if we read it carefully, it says we're free to not sin. Now we have the possibility of not sinning. We are not going to be sinless, but it's our longing to sin less. And the word home takes on new meaning. Paul in Philippians 3.20 says that our citizenship is in heaven from which we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus. So now we're aliens. You know, this world is not my home just to pass them through. Warren Wiersbe, an old-time preacher and commentator, said that uh, Many times Christians don't realize that the Christian life isn't a playground. It's a battleground. Because we, we are now a new people. We're living in an old place. And so how is that going to work out? So now we need to start growing as, we're, as, we're, as, we, as we've come to faith. And as we start to learn from God, about God through the Bible, as we start to understand our weapons of spiritual warfare, the shield uh, of the of what? Churl faith, sword of the Spirit. We start to understand the work of the Holy Spirit. Now we're no longer defenseless in this world system. We're no longer its victim, kind of under its roadkill. Now we can see what's going on. We can understand what's happening in this manipulating system we're living in. And these values that people are touting, these are doctrines of demons. These are the marionettes of the evil one portraying the they're, they're feeding us the philosophies through Netflix or through a movie or through books or through media or social media or the nightly news, whatever it is. This isn't a neutral place, not according to God's word. Man, we hate to think so negatively about it. But we've got to think realistically about it, just what God says. So we've got to not be defenseless. We've got to, we've got to be maturing and growing so that we can help ourselves and help our families and friends know how to function and not just survive in this setting we're in, but thrive in it.
So in saying all of this, Paul has been saying that we are rescued. And the way he's been saying it is it's not something you could pull off. Like those miners in that mine, this rescue cannot be done on our own. It has to come from above. It is extremely costly. It was $20 million for that one. It's extremely costly. And the rescue of our souls will save our lives. But if you take that true gospel and you add something to it, it would be like telling those 33, listen, men, you dig up halfway, we'll dig down the rest of the way. <laughs> That's absurd. It's impossible. It's insanity. You can't add to the gospel. Well, the Apostle Paul, um, as I've indicated, is pretty heated. And now we come to the part where he's politically incorrect on steroids. Um, he's gotten this word from those towns. And they always dictated their letters. And then he would sign it often. I picture Paul pacing as he's dictating this letter, pacing. I, maybe he's shaking. I don't know. I, I picture him with tears streaming down his face. And as he's trying to get these words out, the picture in his mind is his hatred for these false teachers preying on these baby Christians. And the other picture is the picture of these baby Christians that he loves, that he saw Christ bring to himself, that he saw do miracles for. He sees these two and they come together in his mind like, like two chemicals in a test tube and explodes in a furious flurry of words. And he says, I am amazed. Other translations, I'm astonished. I'm shocked that you are so quickly deserting him who called you. You are deserting your traitors, your turncoats to him. He called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which really is not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But listen, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. As we have said before, I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. Am I now seeking the favor of men or of God? Or am I striving to please men? If I were trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. He says, if you slide back, you're going to be presenting your world with, an, with a false gospel to people around you. If you slide back, you're going to move back into bondage of the Old Testament system. Nobody can keep the Old Testament law. They weren't intended to. It was intended to lead us to the gospel. You're going backwards into bondage. You're degrading the value of Christ's worth. Later on, he says, it has no value for you. He said, I brought you the gospel. It was given to me to give to you and I gave it to you. And notice twice he uses the word accursed. That's the Greek word anathema. It means being delivered up to the, to the judicial wrath of God. He's saying to 
So these false teachers, may the judicial wrath of God pour out on you. I gave you the gospel. Now, the question here is, is Paul being too severe? Is he being too strong? John Stott, a, a Bible scholar of now passed away, asked that question. He says, is it too strong? And then he said, well, remember what Jesus did in Mark 9.42. There was this person apparently causing other people to stumble. And Jesus said it would be better for that person if this gigantic stone weight would be tied around their neck and they'd be thrown in the sea. They'd be a lot better. You're going to cause people to stumble. So it seems that Paul is in the spirit of Christ when he is saying, may they be accursed, may they be accursed. He's standing on tiptoes and yelling, this is not okay. Stop it. And John Stott goes on, and this really contextualizes it for us. He says, of course, we live in an age in which it's considered a very narrow-minded and it's considered to be very intolerant to have any clear and strong opinions of one's own, let alone to disagree sharply with anyone else. As for actually desiring false teachers to fall into the curse of God and be treated as such by the church, the very idea is to many inconceivable. But I venture to say that if we cared more for the glory of Christ and for the good of the souls of men, we too would not be able to bear the corruption of the gospel of grace. If we cared more for the glory of God and for the good of the souls of men, we would not tolerate the false gospel. We would not watch that channel. We would not encourage our friends to listen to that preacher. We would not suggest that these are all just good people who have, the, have a good gospel when they knock on our door. It's life and death. It's a really severe situation, and Paul is tackling, tackling it head on. So what we've seen is that the Apostle Paul has made it really clear that he is a true apostle and that the gospel is the gospel of Christ saving us for our sins and delivering us from this present evil age, and that's it. And there's no more, and there's one gospel. And he's going to expand on that as the book continues. Well, that gospel that we've been talking about is for everyone. Everyone. Maybe you're hearing this today and it's pulled pieces together for you. Maybe you uh, uh, have never come to the place of trusting Christ as your Savior and, and counting upon his death on the cross to be payment for your sin so that you could enter a relationship with God. But maybe you've realized that's what I really want for my life. I, I want to have my sins paid for. I want to be saved and be a part of God's family. And if that's the case, I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment to pray that prayer silently in your heart. And I want to lead you through a short prayer so that you can do that. Um, just you need to know this, that you don't have to be ready. You don't have to be worthy. You sure don't have to be good enough. You just have to be willing to receive Christ today. If everybody would bow their heads and close their eyes. If you're here today and you would like to trust Christ as your Savior, I'm going to lead you through a short prayer that follows the outline of ABC. 
Just pray it in your heart. God knows your intention. First say, A, I admit that I desperately need God, but I'm not worthy of him because of my sinful life. I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I admit it. B, I believe that Jesus shed his blood dying on the cross and rising again as my substitute, paying for my sin. When he rose, he conquered sin and death, hell, and Satan, demolishing the barrier between God and me forever. Finally, see, say, I choose to trust Christ as my only hope. I choose to receive him and to believe in him as my own. As best I can, I'm asking God, because of Christ, to forgive my sins, make me his child. If you pray that prayer just now, I'd like to read you a verse from the Bible that you can reflect on. It's in 1 John 5, 12. It says, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. If you sincerely pray that prayer just now, you may know that you have eternal life. Loving Father, we thank you for your, your rescue. We thank you for coming from above when we were helpless at great expense, the cost of our beloved Savior's life, dying in our place. We thank you that you spared nothing. We thank you for your love for the world. We thank you that it's clear. And we pray for wisdom, God, to know how to interact in this world where there are false gospels. God, that we will be uh, bold and wise and we will not allow intimidation to cause us to be quiet when, this, when the enemies, deceivers, are spinning a gospel that is false and leading people astray and deceiving them. God, may you be pleased and may we stand strong for the good news of Jesus Christ in whose name we pray, amen. Thank you, Steve. me 
restores my soul and leads me on for his name his great name surely goodness surely mercy right beside me
close to bird bird time now. So. Thank you, Dan, for the singing and song teams. Oh, is this not on? Oh, it's on. Can you hear me? Okay. Um, I just wanted to say a couple things uh, that I had just on my heart after hearing that message. Steve, thank you for so clearly articulating the gospel. I think we, uh, we need to hear that more often so that we can then articulate it to others. So I really appreciate that message today. Thank you. Um, we're going to close out the our service time uh, with the time of prayer. So we have a lot of things to pray for and be thankful for. Um, so I don't have a pen and paper, so maybe um, you could do me a favor. If you've got something you'd like to pray for, um, I'll just open it up and we'll have a, a time where we can all just bow our heads. If you want to pray, stand up and pray. And then when we're all done, then I'll close this out and uh, we'll continue on with the service. Churchill's maybe getting me another mic. Can this one work? There we go. Is that better? Yes. Okay. I can do it from here just as well. So why don't, why don't you uh, bow your heads with me, and then we'll open up a time of prayer. If you feel like um, the Spirit is leading, stand up and uh, speak loud and uh, pray. So, Heavenly Father, we just uh, come before you today, Lord, and... Um, just in this in this place that means so much to so many of us, Father, we just uh, thank you for your work that you're doing, Lord. We thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives. We thank you for the work that you have done in our lives, Lord. For those of us that are saved, as Steve said, it is done. And Lord, we thank you for the work that you continue to do with our church and just the, the future that you have um, just laid out for us, Lord, it seems. And we just praise you for that. And uh, Father, we... Um, our hearts are with um, our dear friends and family, the, the Derek and Leah and their children, Lord. And, and uh, as we've already said, Lord, we just, our hearts are with them and we pray for them. And, and um, uh, we send them off, Lord, um, uh, with hearts hurting, but also for excitement for their future, Father. And, um, and understanding that you are calling them and, and uh, they are obeying your call. And so, Lord, now as, uh, as we pray together, Lord, um, as a group, we just want to glorify your name and lift your name up and praise you, Lord, um, good with God. And we just pray that you're here with us today. 